Welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Worthy of the calling you have received. Be humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Well, thanks, Miranda, and uh, good to be here with you today. I have a granddaughter, Maya Rose, and sometimes we, Rosie and I, manage to get to take her to the park. And those of you grandparents, I don't know if you, like myself, sometimes look at the kind of equipment of parks today and you think, my, they've got a lot more sophisticated, uh, wonderful climbing equipment. Uh, it's quite difficult to actually figure out how to use it sometimes, but uh, you know, little kids manage to, ma- manage to figure it out. But something that I've noticed is that it's not quite so common as it used to be for there to be the old seesaw there. I mean, do, do you remember the old seesaw where, where you'd sit at one end and, and someone else would be at the other end? You'd have to try and balance. And, and certainly when uh, my kids were little, uh, I used to have great fun because there'd be Nick and Amy and both of them would sit at the other end and I'd sit on, 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 on the one end and they'd desperately try to see whether they, they could move me or not. And by adjusting positions, some, sometimes they, they, they could. And it was about this little balancing act. How, how do you match Dad's uh, enormous weight, uh, you know, at the other end with, with what they were doing? And Rosemary would sometimes give a bit of a helping hand and they'd be able to move me off the ground. And I think that it's this idea of balancing things that, 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 that Paul has in mind when he starts off in Ephesians chapter 4. And in many ways, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 is the pivotal verse in the whole of Ephesians. When Paul writes, as a prisoner for the Lord then... I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. A life worthy. The the Greek word is axios. And that little word axios means to bring up the other beam of the scale. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So Paul is saying, he's been writing in in, in the letter of, of the enormous grace of God that's come to us. And he's spoken about the fact that God's grace comes to us as, as a wonderful gift And that we can do nothing to earn our salvation, but that it's freely given by God. And and he speaks about the fact that we've been called by God. But then he says, now come on, calling must be matched by character. I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling. And we all know how tragic it is when people don't live a life that is worthy of their calling. I'm old enough to still remember when Richard Nixon Nixon was impeached as president and had to stand down. It was one of those dramatic moments in history where someone had been called to an office, voted in for a second term, voted in quite comfortably, and then with all the Watergate scandal, people basically said, well, actually, that kind of character can't go with being president of the USA, and he was forced to stand down. And and, and there is that, that, that... deep sense that if someone is called to something, there needs to be something on the inside that matches that. The character does actually matter. And Paul writes with a a real sense of urgency as he writes, and he says, uh, as a prisoner 
for the Lord, as a prisoner for the Lord. I who have proved my commitment to the faith by being willing to go to prison for Christ. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you, and the word urge is a strong word, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Let's just take a moment thinking about the calling we have received. So the, the idea of a call is a, is a wonderful one. In some ways, it's, it might seem almost a romantic notion. Uh, we come up for, for Christmas, and you, you might remember how Mary received this incredible call one day. Here she is. She's just a peasant woman. She's planned to get married to a man, Joseph. And her future lies before her, and she's hoping that everything will be wonderful and that things will go well. And no doubt she has all the dreams that a young girl would have had. And then one day an angel comes and says, Mary, God has called you. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. You are called to be the the mother of God. And it's an incredible thing that that, that takes place that day. And as she hears that call, we told that, that Mary leaves that conversation and she's afraid and perplexed and she ponders it and she tries to figure out what this might mean. And I've always been caught by it because I guess it must have been an astonishing thing for her to get that call in that day. And, and many of us maybe, maybe dream of a day when things would change for us. And yet when you actually do receive a significant call, my, you have to ponder it and, oh, it is an awesome thing. And, oh, it might be quite a fearful thing. And so if you sometimes maybe spend your life thinking, wouldn't it be great if I got a call, call to a lofty position, a call to be the CEO of my company? Or or, or what about this one? Have have any of you ever dreamt of winning lotto? You know, wouldn't it be great? I mean, I sometimes dream what I would do if I I won at lotto. Uh, I I believe the first thing you have to do is actually buy a ticket, which I've not yet done, but that doesn't stop the dreaming at, at, at any rate. But it's an interesting thing. You know. So if you won all those multiple millions, what, what would you do? How would your life change? And, and you realize that it would actually be a very dramatic day. Interestingly enough, there, there's been research into people who win lotto. And, and the research has shown that, that those who win really big in lotto, you, you know, the multiple millions, usually don't fare very well. They often lose it. They often land up in various kinds of addictions. They often have marital breakdowns. Uh, Often life just falls apart altogether. By contrast, those who have solid winnings and and, and lotter, those kind of in-between prizes, where you win somewhere between 50,000 to 250,000, I mean, that's a wonderful sum of money. They, they, They find the people who win like that, their lives actually usually do go very well. Because with that kind of money, you can renovate your house and you can have a wonderful trip and you can give some money to the kids. But everything doesn't change with that. I mean, if you win $80,000, for example, you, you're probably not going to be able to say, no, I can retire. I don't need to work another day. So you, you, you still have to carry on working. But your life is impacted in a way which is quite helpful. But you win $10 million and you don't go back to work and you live a very different kind of lifestyle. And for most people, everything falls apart. Now, now why do I say that? Because actually, Paul is suggesting to us that the kind of calling that we have because we are Christ is actually that kind of calling where everything changes. It's not just a renovate the kitchen and go on a trip kind of a, kind of a call. And, and we know that that's the case because he starts off by saying, as a prisoner in the Lord. In other words, for Paul, this has cost him everything. At this stage, he's in prison. At the end of the life of his life, he was actually to be beheaded. That's the difference the call made in his life. And he's saying, as a prisoner, I'm urging you 
to realize that this is a very significant thing that has happened for you. God has called you. And you have been called into the family of God. And being part of the family of God makes an enormous difference. Now, now at this point, you may say, hold on, Brian. Aren't you being just a little bit melodramatic here? I mean, this letter is going to to Christian leaders in, in Ephesus. And presumably, they were very significant people. And we do know that in the Bible, God does call people like Moses or David or Esther or people like that to do, do really remarkable and amazing things. But you may say, you know, ordinary people don't really have calls, do they? I, I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. This letter to the Ephesians was a circular letter to the churches. It wasn't just sent to the lofty leaders at Ephesus. It was written for every single Christian in all the churches in that area and was meant to be read out in the churches. In other words, it's the letter that we are meant to hear today. So, so when we read it, we need to hear Paul speaking to us very personally. And we need to imagine him saying to us, listen, I'm in prison because of the call that God has given to me. But I am urging you. I'm, I'm not because I'm in prison. I'm not saying, well, you know, don't be like me. Don't take this so seriously that, 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 that you land up in prison like, like I do. Be a bit more gentle with, with the call. No, no, he doesn't say that. As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you. I urge you to live a life axios, a life worthy of the calling that, 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 that you have received. And so to think about what it means to, to have this call from God and what it would mean to match call and character. What it means to match call and character. And Paul, as the letter unfolds, then does try to spell that out for us. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And so Paul's instinct is to immediately say, okay, so you have been called well, then be completely humble and gentle. Now, now I think that that's quite an interesting uh, little response which he gives there. Because as he says, you, you know, you've been called, I guess he's aware that our response could be, wow, God has called me. I mean, I must be hugely important. I must be, I must be amazing. I mean, God calling me. And, and there is absolutely that sense in which you should feel like that. Because, because the first call, which all of us have, is a call to the family of God. And that is no light thing. That, that is no light thing at all. I, I can remember a num- number of years ago, we were in, in the UK, in, in London. And we did, as most tourists to London do, we went along to St. James's Park just by Buckingham Palace. And we were having a picnic there. It was in July, so it was picnic season. It was what the British call summer. It was actually freezing cold. But, but anyway, there, there, there we were in St. James's Park having our picnic there. And suddenly... There were just all these sirens that, 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 that were going. We saw this, this massive cars just, just shoot past us at top speed. And everyone in the park literally just leapt up and ran because, I don't know, I imagine they thought it was the queen or it was some dignitary or what, whatever. As it was, it all went by so quickly that, that we didn't see. And we, to this day, we do not know who it was. But we were left with no, no doubt that this was someone, or some, someone of great importance that had gone by. And everything was stopping as this person just was ushered in uh, to Buckingham Palace. Now, you may say, well, you know, our calling is not like that. I mean, people who are really important have the traffic stop for them and have lights go flashing for them, and that's something really significant. But that doesn't happen just because we're Christians. Well, I beg your pardon. 
I mean, you are more than the royal family. And, and we are more than the royal family. And we're more than that because, in fact, we have been called into the family of God. Called for eternity, not just for a little period of time. And, and we should never underestimate how significant it is that God invites us to be part of his own family. And, and so we should feel this enormous sense of, wow, this is privilege. This is amazing. How, how can this be? But Paul, because he actually does sense that very deeply, because he does, every day he wakes up and says, could this be that I'm actually a child of God? Yes, it is. And, and, and he knows that that could lead in the direction of the Pharisee whom Jesus saw in the temple. Do you remember the Pharisee who, when he was praying, said, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. I thank you that I'm not like that tax collector over there. And, and it could make us a little bit arrogant, and it could make us look down on other people. And, I mean, we've been singing Early on, that, that, that beautiful song, I am a child of God. And, and we could sing, I am a child of God, with a deep sense of gratitude and humility. Or we could sing it as, I am a child of God. And you are just nobody, thank you very much. And, and Paul says, no, it can never be that. You're a child of God, and that must lead to a sense of awe and gratitude and openness to what God is wanting you to do. And so Paul says, I urge you, I'm begging you. It can actually be a costly thing to do this, but live a life worthy of the calling that God has given you. And he says you need to do that with humility and gentleness. He goes on and he says, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, now, now I think that that's significant because it's an interesting instruction. Let's, let's recognize a very simple point. Instructions are given because they are required. Let me say that again. Instructions are given because they are required. So when Paul says, be patient, bearing with one another in love, he's saying, I'm telling you this because it's going to be necessary. Uh, I, mean, I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Let, let, let me give you, I mean, it's a silly illustration, but I can remember when, when our kids were little, uh, you, you know, when I would tuck them into bed, I wouldn't say to them, I would say to them, good night, love you, sleep well, you know, all those kinds of things that parents say to their child. But when I took them to bed, I didn't say, now be careful. Don't have a bad dream so that you fall out of bed because if you fall out of bed, you might break your neck or you might break your leg. You know, so, you know, it's a dangerous thing to go to sleep. You know, be watching out, be on the alert, be careful when you sleep. I mean, you wouldn't say that, would you? Well, maybe you do if you're a crazy parent. I'd your kids. But anyway, I, I certainly never, never, never say that. But however, you know, when our kids maybe went out for a new spawning thing or to something that they hadn't done before, then we would certainly sometimes say, just be careful. You, you know, just think about what you're doing. Be, be careful. Because, well, because it's necessary. When, when, when you give an instruction, it is because there is the, the, the possibility that this is going to happen. And, and I think we need to hear that quite deeply because we're, we're often... If you maybe in, in, the, in the family of the church, if you find someone a little exasperating, you, you might think, this is totally unacceptable. You know, something's gone badly wrong. You know, why should the, you know, Paul predicted it. He's saying, you, you know, be patient. Patience will be required from you. Bear with one another in love. This is absolutely normal. And it's part of living a life that is worthy of the call. It is part of living a life that is worthy of the call. Now, no, 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 let's try and be absolutely practical about this then. If we are to live a life worthy of the call, it means that ever so often 
we must be willing to stop and to look at what we're doing. So there we are. And we're in the middle of an argument, maybe. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I know sometimes when I argue, I'm kind of looking out for how I can make the next really good point. And so you, you, you listen to what the other person's saying, and you spot the flaw. Aha! Uh, you know, that's why I'm right, after all. And am I the only one who does that? <laughs> Confession. Okay, well, uh, what I shouldn't do, I mean, you don't need to worry about that. that, that this quite clearly from your shocked expressions. Maybe you never, ever have arguments. I don't know you. You're already worthy of the call, but I, an unworthy person of the call. Uh, you know, in the middle of the argument... Uh, I know that I sometimes have to just stop and just breathe and just say, is this worthy of the call? Am I actually listening? Am I trying to actually find a way forward? Am I trying to work for reconciliation? Am I trying to understand? Am I trying to see the other person's perspective? That's living worthy of the call. Or maybe you're just watching something that you know, I really shouldn't watch this. This is supremely unhealthy. Is this worthy of the call? And you say, no, actually it isn't. I must back away from this. Or maybe you, you just, it's your business and you want to get a sale and you, you, you know that if you're just a little bit dishonest about how valuable this product is, you'll, you'll be able to get the sale. And you look at the person and think, you're a little bit gullible, I think. I, I could push this one through. Is that worthy of the call? Is that worthy of the call? And I think that Paul is wanting us to, in fact, be very real about what this means. And so he says, I'm a prisoner for what I've done. You, 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 you can't have a call from God and not let your character be examined. And you need to listen to this prompting of the Spirit which comes and which says, is this worthy of the calling you have received? And it's really just a very simple thing to do. And, and could I suggest that many times a day, we should just stop and pause and ask the question, is this worthy of the call? Is this worthy of the call? Is this worthy of the call of God? Does, does it balance? Is it balancing out? Now, now, some of you may say, yeah, but I, I don't understand this concept of call. What, what, what do you mean when you say, say we called? Well, well, firstly, we are called to Jesus. We're called to the family of God. Peter was saying absolutely validly that this, is, that this week we mark the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Tuesday, Reformation Day. Uh, and yes, indeed, if you want to come along to Vos tomorrow, we've got this great, great conference on Luther at 500. Uh, and starts at 9.30, 60 bucks, includes lunch, includes morning tea. But there you go, that's as many advertisements I'll give. Uh, but why is the Reformation significant? Well, one of the key insights of the Reformation was that actually we, we do not save ourselves. We are saved by the grace of God. And Martin Luther, this, this little monk who had been desperately, desperately, desperately trying to please God, he had been caught in a thunderstorm in 1505. And in the midst of that, that thunderstorm, he had thought that he was going to lose his life. It was very vicious and wild and lightning everywhere. And he had prayed to St. Anna and said, St. Anna, if you spare my life, I will become a monk. And within a few months, he entered the monastery. He just finished his training as a lawyer, never became, didn't become a lawyer, went into to the monastery. And, and as a monk, he, he, he passionately, passionately tried to win the favor of God. And he denied himself one thing after another after another. He, I mean, if you, you look at his life, it was quite astonishing. Because he was working with the mindset of the day that you had to win the favor of God, that you would earn being saved by God. 
And for him, the, the insight came when he discovered Romans 1.17, but because we're in Ephesians, I guess you can read it as well in, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So, so let's be very clear about this. When, when Paul says... You must live a life that is worthy of your call. He is not wanting to go back and say, earn your salvation. That is not what he is saying. He's already really wanted to stress in the first half of this, this letter that we are saved by the grace of God. And that, that, in fact, that salvation comes in the form of God's call to us to find forgiveness and to become part of the family of God. And that is not because we, in fact, have worked so hard. It is not because we have done incredible things. But Paul says, having received that call, live a life that is worthy of it. Live a life that is worthy of it. In other words, it, it will have a flow-on effect. And in the first instance, the call that comes to us is a call to be part of the family of God. It is a call to Jesus. It is a call to follow Jesus. But it is more than just that. You see, God is involved in every detail of our life. And therefore, for each of us, there is a very specific call as well. And I can't tell you what the specific call in your life is. Paul gives some, some broad categories uh, within the, 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 this letter. As he goes on in Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about the, the different giftings which God gives. And he says he gives to some the gift of being apostles and to some to be prophets and to be some to be teachers. And, and so he goes on. And he says that, that, that all of this is so that God's people will be equipped for works of ministry. And, and, he, and he thinks about the way in which the call might work out in the life of the church. But for each of us, our call works out in a very particular way. And some of you know what your call is. And for some people in the Bible, calls come as very specific moments. God coming to a Moses or Esther being challenged to stand up for God's people or David being set aside to be king for Israel. These very specific and real calls which come. But, but you don't have to think in such lofty terms. Sometimes you will just hear God's call coming to you and saying, you be the best father that you can be. You be the best mother that you can be. You be the best employer that, 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 that you can be. You go about your daily life just living it for Jesus because you are called wherever you are and in whatever your circumstances to be a person living for Jesus, to live a life that is worthy of the call. And for us together as a church community, we have been called. We've been called to be a particular kind of a family. A family where we bear with one another in love, as Paul has said earlier on. But, but our church has known for a long time something of the nature of what our call is. So those of you who were part of our founding members would remember that, that, that when this church was founded, it was founded with a, a deep sense that God was calling us to be a place where the church was turned inside out that it wasn't a place where people had to somehow come to us, but where we would move out to them, that we would make it easy for people to spot the story of Jesus and the relevance of, of Jesus for, for, for their lives. And, and so we, we developed that over time, and we said, you know, as a church community, we, we build these missional platforms, and we provide services of excellence for the community, services which the community really want, so that we win the right to speak to people about Jesus 
and to tell them about Jesus. And that's our particular call as a congregation. Not, not every church has that particular call, but that's the one that God has given to us. And, and if you're a carey person, then, then actually part of your calling is to be called to this family of God and to bear patiently with one another, but to be part of this community that, that tries to, to show faith to the community through the provision of various services, and as we provide them, we try to find a way to speak a word for Jesus and try to make sure that at all times we live a life that is worthy of the call which God has given to us. You might be part of this community, but there might be yet another call in your life. You might be called to produce amazing music or to write words which change people's lives or to befriend some people in such a way that transforms them forever or to build buildings that somehow are for the glory of God or just to serve in your local street in such a way that it truly becomes a neighborhood and a community. And you may say, so how do I know what God is calling me to do? Ah, as with everything, you need to be quiet enough to listen. You need to, in fact, go to God and say, God, thank you for this incredible privilege of being called to be a child of God, of being called to be part of the family of God. But God, now what is the particular thing that you want me to do? And, and no, you won't necessarily see a flash of lightning. It, it won't necessarily be that you have a huge voice coming to you. It, it could be could be that some inside of your heart, you just, some inside of your head, you just feel that a voice says this or that or whatever. And sometimes God will just say, just open your eyes and whatever your hand finds to do, do it. Look at where I have already placed you. Look at the circumstances I've already opened up for you. Don't you think that I have called you to be where you already are? And very often that's what God says to us. And whatever it is that comes, he is saying to us, Lead a life that is worthy of the call. You may say, you know, that sounds pretty tough. I mean, to, to, to really, I, I, I don't like these things. I've got to examine myself and ask, you know, am I living in a way which is worthy of my calling? It's just too hard and too difficult. And you might feel like that if you forget that Paul starts by saying, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. And if you were to say to Paul, so Paul, why are you a prisoner? For Jesus, Paul would say, but isn't it obvious? I'm a prisoner for Jesus because of Bethlehem. I'm a prisoner for Jesus because he came and lived here. I'm a prisoner because of the life of Jesus just captured me and his teaching captured me. I'm a prisoner for Jesus because of Calvary, because he died for me, because he's forgiven me. And, and as we hear Paul saying, that's why I'm a prisoner for the Lord. We'd realize that actually God is speaking to us and saying, why not you be a prisoner for Jesus? Live a life worthy. Why? Because of Bethlehem. Because of Calvary. Because of forgiveness. Because of God's invitation to you to be part of his wonderful family. There is no greater privilege in life. It's much more than winning, winning tens of millions of dollars in lotto. It's much more challenging. It's much more transforming. It changes everything. But, oh, it's worth it. It's worth it because of Jesus. And so as you go out into this week, go out and say, Oh, Lord Jesus, 
help me to live a life that is worthy of the calling that you have given to me. Let's pray together. Lord, you gave everything for us. As we look at our lives, we pray that we would live in such a way that it is worthy of the call that you have given to us. Thank you that we do not have to save ourselves, that your mercy has done that. But help us to respond to grace wholeheartedly. And thank you that even that response is a grace which is empowered by your spirit. Thank you that we don't have to find the power in ourselves, but that you help us. Help us to be open to that. And help us to indeed live as your people in your world. Amen.